Welcome back, everybody, to the Precision Unloaded podcast. Uh, you're once again, you have Graham and Mark here, the uh, your usual hosts. No guests this week. This is episode thirty-four of our um, of New Zealand's seventeenth most popular sports podcast. Um, I really should check those rankings. We may have slid down slightly, but we'll hold on to that um, now comical title. Um, uh, evening, Mark. How are you? You're not bad. Not bad. How's the uh, how's the Bat- stinking hot summer treating the farm? Oh, it's just great. January was a <clears throat> perler. I doubt you, you had any rain that did any like, good to the. Green if you like areas. a developing desert, no, yes. it's rain's coming this weekend. I hope so. Good. Anyway, I tell you what though, the rain always has been talk good. about the weather. Yes, <laughs> the rain has been good for sh- no rain has been good for shooting. I will add because um, it has it's dust very splashes easy. are awesome. Oh yes, especially we were shooting this. the mile the other day. Yes, and the, though you can stand out beautifully so um no so yes again this episode we're going to cover up a cop cover off a couple of things we're going to go over our most recent event which is was uh the 2022 surplus steel um sort of a, a field style military style match for um service rifles so bolt action service rifles from the first second world war and then um, also had a, a sniper class that went a little bit newer up into the 80s um so we'll go over that um a very very cool event uh, possibly not everyone's cup of tea most guys are here for the, the, the precision stuff but um again very fun event and it ran pretty smooth and then we're also going to talk about um sort of our picks for different things from 2020 so um rifles scopes events um shooters who we thought done the best who um best you know maybe not best improved but um who's who ones to watch maybe um, now this is going to centre more around what we see in the North Island. Again, we don't make it down to the south as much as we would like um, due to logistics and all of that. So if we miss something from the South Island or we miss a piece of equipment you use, it's just because we don't use it or we're not familiar with it. Um, other than that, so we'll just go over the normal stuff at the start. So Mark, what have you been up to for the last few weeks since we uh, last talked? Uh, we had the surplus steel, which we'll talk about next. Um, I had someone come up and test shooting two Ks, um, which worked out well for them. So the first time we worked out where to put a two K target, which is on Mount Doom. If anyone remember, knows that from people that are familiar with the shoots we have up here, um, and you can shoot it from the back of the farm anywhere from. A thousand thirteen hundred two k to two and a half k. I just measured out today, so so that's going to be exciting. It's got a good back stop, um, which will show splash pretty well. So yeah, but uh, young Anthony hit it uh, three out of three from Cold Bore at two kilometres. So that set him up for down south. I was pretty impressed, to say the least. So what you'd say is you you played a big part in him taking the victory in the two kilometre. Yeah, my tips tips and advice I gave him were invaluable. <laughs> Especially when he fired his first shot, and I was just like, "Huh, oh, target's moving." <laughs> I was looking for splash. I was spotting. You know, it's like, "Oh, that's a hit." Oh, I ain't gonna say anything. Oh, sorry. Anyway, yeah. So it's pretty phenomenal to see um a 2k shot on a 900 millimeter plate first up so hmm uh what else been happening obviously 
bit of trench digging and people haven't filled in the trench. No, there's even dead animals in it now. <laughs> yeah, lucky I can cover them over. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. one of my sheep that try and find ways to die every day has decided to die in the trench. So yeah, that's yeah. handy. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you been managing to get out and do a bit of pest control or are they sort of out of the way in this hot weather? No, nah, not a lot. Just preparing to go and have a war on possums shortly, so... Now that the hay's out of the way, so well, that's not and a the bad goat, idea. goats are pretty uh, lying low, so yeah. So if you've got some twenty-two practice, we'll do a bit of a possum mission at some stage. That sounds like fun. Maybe we get a couple of the boys and yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, what have I been uh, up to? What else? No. What? Uh, oh, yeah. the other thing is I resurrected my two-two-four Valkyrie. Oh yes, and, um, infamous. Put a. Thanks to Target Dynamics, MDT. Can you remember the stock name? That is a MDT XRS. That's it, XRS. So it's like a um, crossover chassis, um, which basically means it can take 10 round mags, or 9 round mags they are, which are on their way. MDT is now making 9 round 224 Valkyrie mags, which also work with the 6 arc. Oh, so they're a proprietary mag for those mini Yeah, like, like, yeah. The fat mini action calibers, basically. So. Oh, nice! Because now this turns that into a viable field gun, where yeah. it just wasn't before with the magazine. That's I'm no, actually looking forward to that being a. No, super easy to install. The existing screws and everything were the same, so I had actually has screws in the that screw straight into the Savage action. So hmm, easy to do. Yeah. And uh, looks great. Yes, it is a, a huge step up. I mean, the the AccuFit stock, which is a hunter type stock with a up the cheek piece and stuff but it's uh not oh, it was a bit big for me i'm not exactly um you know the size of tyson fury put it that way so it just was never a comfortable stock and actually made the trigger pull a bit annoying because the um you know they have a blade safety blade yeah accu trigger thing so it actually end up accidentally trigger or tripping the safety on it because the way the trigger pull was un- uncomfortable. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, that's cool. Well, so, no that's, doubt that's, we'll talk about that, that is more. on, and um, I'm going to go and have a muck around with it and see how it's going. So I haven't yep. shot it for a while. No, yeah. I think it would have been the last time, would have been eight, six, eight months ago, wouldn't it? Back in winter. Yep. Some 1K. Yeah. Good thing is, I've got, I've got a stockpile of ammo, so that's good. Well, you're the only person in the country who buys it, so... Anyway, um, and when it stops turning up, we have all the stuff to reload it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what? Uh, again, I'll ask myself, Graham. Yourself, what you Graham. What have you been up to? Uh, again, excluding surplus steel, which took up a lot of time. Once that was finished, um, I was able to get back into just essentially uh, practice. So again, there's not a lot of pests around, uh, excluding the odd rabbit. Um, it's, it's so hot, everything's hiding. So I've been getting back into positional practice, uh, be it with the 22 and with the 223 mostly. Um, we did a session with Wes and um, and Michael Wilkie uh, recently, just again practicing, mocking up little stages um, for the 22 and for their um, the center fires. <clears throat> did a bit of tripod practice, not that I really need that because I don't use it that often, but um, just a bunch of stuff like that. And so that's been good getting back into a groove And because um, I was quite slack over most of the first month of this year and, and, and over Christmas. So 
and mainly just trying to learn to I'm trying to get sharpen up for Tarada essentially which is coming up in a few weeks so just thinking here just on your tripod comment do you think there'll be more stages included with them going forward now that they're more prevalent they've become more common or mainstream up here that's a good question I see I see the I, I see the classes merging back together again at some point practical and open and then having stage specific allowances for tripods yeah so you'll actually yeah it won't be an afterthought no no so no. it'll be like this one does allow it or or there might be yeah. ones that as is an advantage and and those sorts of things i mean to be fair like i should i said we i don't really need to practice it we're going down to the mountain challenge in march um, yeah so we probably do need to practice it um but um yeah so so in that case you'd you'd probably have a tripod available on a stage like that for shooters that don't have one uh i as, <laughs> or bring your yeah as a match director i would be conscious of how i built the squads to include uh, at least a couple of shooters i know who have them or i'd ask competitors hey listen do you have a tripod just when they're booking and that'll um that'll just allow us because i've never met anyone who won't sort of share a little bit of gear and, no and and we'll get around it that way and now sometimes when we've built stages in the past <clears throat> that allowed so like my the, the the practical 22 match we done back in september or october or whatever it was there was stages that allowed tripod and it, it could be quite doable with a tripod usable um, an advantage but um, you could shoot it positionally unsupported position as well and which save you a bit of time so um yeah so so i guess what i'm driving at then is i'd rather see a tripod only stage without other supports just basically to get so it actually makes a dedicated use of it if i was if i think if we do that it would be i hate the idea of just a flat paddock where you have a tripod that just seems like the stupidest thing ever to me but it would be i walk around flat paddocks with a tripod <laughs> yeah no, it would be on the side of a hill or something where you have to deploy it and use it to make use... I'm, not, I'm not saying it can't be complex i'm just saying yeah the, yeah so we it's could, the, we it's could the do dominant it, yes. part of the stage not just um yes we could do that someone dippily hanging onto the back of it is stability or something yeah oh yeah no that's horrendous no but it would be like off the side of mount doom or something you know in a real yeah. tricky position where you've got a so the skill in the tripod is not just using it to make your shot easier, it's how you deploy it in a way that still works well. Um, would be yeah. where I'd want to see that. Yeah, sorry. No, it's an interesting it's an interesting thought. Um, yeah, um, and then other than that, um, oh, we're doing a little bit with the 6.5 PRC, not, again, not as much as I'd like, just with match prep, but um, starting to stretch, we've stretched that out to a mile now. Um, we'll probably leave that for a further post, but... Yeah, I've been through some of the factory ammo I got to get rid of it. So, yeah, and it was really good at a K, so had no issues with the RPR. Yeah, as an aside, we've had someone scope themselves with a 50 BMG, so that was great. <laughs> After you told them not to, yeah, um, well, yeah, they had one shot, and I said, No, you're gonna be, they would, um, yeah, I should have really checked that they were super familiar with firearms i suppose well you know in terms of practical use because they were sort of bunching up with the scope i was like, no, you'll be way back further than that 
and then they came back for a second shot <laughs> and um i had a peek oh, i said no he looks far enough away but he still managed to smack himself in the face so so he's not controlling the rifle and short eye relief eh? a little bit I ran into the guy, uh, someone today and he said, oh, he's pr- quite proud of it. He's pretty <laughs> so, proud of it. That's always been an embarrassing thing, I thought. To... Yeah, well, when it's called an idiot cut, it doesn't, it's not exactly a, yeah. oh. a uh, prideful name of a thing. Yeah. But he didn't yeah. whack himself too hard, so it was all right. No, no stitches? No. I actually think, ex- so as speaking of scoping yourself, because, I mean, podcasts shouldn't be too structured, right? We should be able to ramble. Our, our sort of um, incident we're register. We're not CNN. No, we're not CNN. Um, our incident register for turning and long-range shooting, we have, we've had two scoped like eyes like that I know of. One quite yep. serious that had required um, butterfly stitches anyway, where I had to go and be set in the hospital. That sounds so soft. Yeah, and do you know, and, uh, do you know who did the other one? Carl. Carl did one. Good did he? Cow. Yeah, he scoped himself at a little um, hunters match we done years back, and and then our other our other injury was a um, like a strained hip, um, which which was more of just a um, painkillers and a, to sit down for the rest of the day. But yeah, so the scope one of them, this this poor bugger, he scoped himself, and he this this chap was an albino, like a proper legitimate albino, and he part of his can like skin condition and stuff was that he wouldn't grow eyebrows so he split his eyebrow real good so he had the scar that w- for you and me would be covered by your eyebrows um but instead he had a big bloody cut across there um oh, well break out the vivid marker and draw on some eyebrows be fine. <laughs> yeah i've actually to be fair i've got a photo of them all patched up but, but due to it being a personal photo i won't put it online but um i'll send it to you later Anyway, um, okay, yeah, but other than that, again, it's been practice getting back in the groove of things. So yeah. now the main, um, the main sort of uh, half of this first half of this podcast, we're going to go over Surplus Steel twenty twenty two, which um, was an interesting event for us. Being, I, to be fair, I don't actually think we've talked about it too much in the lead up in our previous podcasts. I mean, obviously, if you follow us online, you would have seen plenty of stuff about it. Um, but like I said, it was a. <clears throat> I struggle to even call it a field style match because it was so different from what we normally do. But uh, one of our matches, so it's uneven terrain and and that kind of thing, and, and shrubs and bushes, but with bolt action service rifles, so Mausers, three hundred threes, Mosin Gants, if you were slightly retarded, um, you know Swiss K thirty ones, all sorts of things, and then also the the marksman class, which was for um, period sniper rifles and DMRs. Um, we sort of went above and beyond with the theme of the event. So we had um, we had two trenches. I'll touch on those in a minute because they're probably quite cool. We had um, sort of some... Uh, we'll go stage by stage. Stage by stage. So, okay, that's a good idea. So stage one was what you... It was kind of a... Uh, probably the least the thrilling. Of, yeah. The Battle of Mons. Battle of Mons. Each, each one has sort of a themed name. Um, and weirdly, it was the only unsupported standing. Yeah, so Battle of Mons was sort of when they, I, from off the top of my head, when the British stopped the Germans in 1914 as they advanced. Um, and so not a lot of trenches then, right? So I was thinking, yeah, you know, um, unsupported stuff. So that was sort of, it's not, I wouldn't call it an action end, but it was it was um, standing at a couple of targets, at like, uh, sorry, at a target at 100 metres. Then there was a sitting or kneeling at 150, and then a unsupported prone 
at um, about 200 meters. Now, one thing I should mention is the targets were, uh, for the most part, indicative of combat targets. Now, we we would avoid that with our precision stuff. We don't run silhouettes for the most part. We, we don't theme anything around that kind of thing. But for this shoot being surplus stuff, we were like full on. Everything had a military theme. So the closer targets were a roughly headshot size. The intermediate targets were um, uh, like a sort of a medium size chest size and then out to 300, they were usually about a full size IPSC silhouette. <clears throat> and they were all unknown distances. Apart from one stage gave you a clue what the distance roughly. Yeah, so which, the, the which idea, everyone, everyone actually thoroughly enjoyed. I um, yeah, I expected because there's no ranging, and you just got up, got up and shot basically and worked it out. So there's no range finders to be used, no ranges given. So I thought that was excellent. I it, um, yeah, I, I expected complaints because Simon said to me, "Hey, have you thought about doing this? It's quite nasty, you know." He said, "But they have they had no range finders, no infantry portable range finders during the first or second world war." No, and I was thinking, no, they fucking didn't, man. And now there was some times, you know, they'd have a rough range on something, but the majority of the time, no, especially not combat troops. So we ran with this idea, and it, like you said, it was good. You, the 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 pre-stage admin that soaks up so much time in our precision matches as everyone fucks around on their kestrels or their phones, or their data book, um, it was gone, right? Now yeah. we we did allow squads to, being that it was military themed, work as a squad. So if Mark shot, for example, <clears throat> he would go, actually, hey, I was on my I was on my 300 meter setting for that and I was hitting pretty good. Um, he could relay that information to his squad. Um, and they also were allowed to spot for each other with um, binoculars or a spotting scope, uh, but obviously nothing with range finding capabilities. And they could, they could say to their fellow competitors, or the RO could for that matter, hey, listen, you're just underneath the target or you're just low or left or... Um, something along those lines and so so that so that's that out of the way so the first target it was all unsupported stuff which was pretty fun but we, we didn't want to do too much of that um, which to the disappointment of the service rifle guys who were particularly good at that um, and then so from there they moved on to stage two sniper's hide sniper's hide now this stage was a Gillis practical rifle event special so we essentially just gave him the stage to design um, targets and he dug so you explain you explain what he built there right well I have a uh, essentially a low and narrow um, slit obscured by foliage made out of chicken wire and basically you had to lie down you had basically no torso height type gap to slide under um, apparently for left-handed people that was a problem but phew, whatever uh, <coughs> We do try and accommodate them, but they do die seven years early, so we can't accommodate everyone. Um, what else? Essentially, yeah, you're shooting off the top of a hill that was obscured anyway. There was trees and that on top, so it made it um, quite tight to manoeuvre around and find the targets, or to basically, yeah, once you got in there sort of thing. So, yeah, I think probably one of the stages we lower scoring stages of the day um a lot of shooters found it quite hard from that position so yeah um when we asked at the end of the day a lot of shooters seem to put it as one of their favorite stages 
Yeah, but yeah. I, I just looked at the hit rates. I think it wasn't that great for quite a few on that. So I, I will say, so the, the sniper's hide, the, the idea behind a sniper's hide is that, as I'm, I'm aware, in a military style, the, the, the snipers would sort of infiltrate at night create this scrape in the ground cover it in use uh, natural foliage etc and so by daybreak or whatever the situation is that sort of essentially set in there covered and observing their whatever so and that's the idea that it was kind of a um a stage where you uh, for the for, mostly we'll talk about the infantry class because those mosquitoes. So you, you take out your intended target, which was pretty much bang on three hundred meters. You, you hit them several times. And You're then, talking World War One, whatever. Um, and they still so, just, so once the artillery barrage is over your a large uh, crater spread over a wide area, you'd be surprised. Um, and then what would happen? You'd have say you had a set amount of time to engage that target, and then for your last minute, you had to engage a closer target, which was around one hundred forty meters, I think, and it was only a. 250 millimeter so disc so that headshot size but the idea being that that close target was a um a sentry or a, or a guard who had noticed your position and you then had to engage that target several times yeah um, on quite an angle change um stage three lone pine people will remember that from the winter shoot um yes the famous remu tree yep uh you can talk about that because I really didn't go and have a good look at it. So, <laughs> so this was again this for infantry class. Um, it was essentially a cluster of four, five, ta four targets at about one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy meters, with the idea that they were um, from a sort of semi-covered position. It was nice and shady up there, which was lovely. You sort of were shooting off the tree limbs. Um, that you were to engage these four targets two times each. Um, so reasonably similar distances, kind of a tricky position, and quite a tight time limit. So the idea was that you were, again, it was in like an ambush-style stage. Um, actually, to be fair, a very simple stage, like nothing complicated with targets. The position was tricky, but nothing crazy. But it was still quite a hard stage to clear. Um, you couldn't take too much time getting a perfect position. Uh, and then the marksman did a similar thing through a loophole there. But yeah, that was, again, fun stage. I didn't clear it. Uh, I, I, will, I, will, I will interject to the explanation of stages here. So I competed in this event, which was pretty cool, and Mark took over match director role for the first time. So we'll probably talk about that at the end of the day. So yeah, so I may reference shooting it a bit more. Um, as no, I just drove around yelling at people. <laughs> um, and then we... No, actually, I didn't need to. But it was another thing from that shoot. We felt that... Uh, sportsmanship behaviour and overall enjoyment competitors of the day was probably one of the best we've seen. So yes, and, and uh, safety um, was exceptional. Just one ND, not much else to really report. So yeah, um, and yeah, people read the rules and didn't stand around trying to work out ways around them to a degree. So yes. at each stage, yeah, that, that was a uh, a nice relief. Not that we have it all the time, but we do have a bit of that in our precision stuff. Someone um, did shape because there weren't people from a certain region but I won't go there <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the Bay of something yes yes Bengal Bay of Bengal and then we went on to stage 4 which was yep with the tank the tank so this is the first of our trenches right so again there'll be a, there'll be a, this is the initial trench that appeared on Facebook if you or Instagram you can have a look back through so this was a sort of a, a mini 
trench, maybe, I don't know, two meters long, and maybe a, oh, shit, six, seven hundred millimeters deep, and then we had a sandbagged wall in front of it, you know, we, we dug out all the fill. This was on top of a hill, a uh, prick of a thing to dig, God, um, but anyway, that got dug, <laughs> the bacon your, also. Your grunts, yeah, I, I, apparently you weren't doing a lot of digging there, Graham, you are more overseeing. Yeah, I'm not even going to argue with that. Me and Jeff, I did. I dug more than Jeff, who will be listening to this tomorrow, and he'll agree with me. <laughs> to, to be sometimes people are just clearly superior at something, and yeah. there's no point wasting your time. You're getting in their way. No, no, and um, <laughs> a damn fine enlisted man's job. Yeah, yeah. I, I was match director, not trench yeah. digger. No, I, I did a little bit. I did the hard work before Carl got there. That's what I'm saying. Um, but anyway, so this this stage, so being that this was the sort of longer range stage for the infantry class, I didn't just want to put a big plate out there. It was it was about three hundred eighty meters or three hundred eighty five meters or something. I didn't just want a big plate, right? Because I'm like, was oh, it that far? Yeah, I'm thinking. Oh yeah, we'll be here. I'm thinking, you know what? It has to have a theme, and I can't just go. It's just a big plate. Deal with it. Now it's got to be something. You've got to be a, engaging something. So we, <laughs> I made a. I'll say large, not too big, but a, a sort of plywood cut out of a of a tank, and then the idea was that it had the the engine compartment was damaged or something, and you could have armor, and you were you were shooting at the engine of the tank, so it was a uh, six hundred millimeter square plate towards the rear of the tank. Actually, I'll you should take a photo if you're over there, Mark, of, of the tank and all the bullet holes in it, but. The idea was that you were trying to will, knock yeah. knock out the tank. So this this stage is called. It's been pummeled. It's been pummeled. It's called a Chung Panzer, which is a, a famous line. But Panzer being tank in German, and then for the marksman class, what they had was a sixty six percent Ipsic silhouette, sitting up above the tank turret. And the idea was for the marksman, they had to take out the tank commander, and then for the infantry class, they took out the the tank itself using um, their special issued armor-piercing ammunition. Full disclosure for the New Zealand police, they were not using armor-piercing ammunition. They were using normal ball ammo. It was just how we themed it. <clears throat> so that was, yeah, again, now in this stage, um, we had a note in the stage attraction that um, intel, there was some intel, right, that the uh, the tank was last spotted at approximately 400 yards, I think, I think we wrote or something along those lines. So just to give them a bit of a chance um, to... Um, successfully engaged the target now the the area where the tank was positioned was incredibly dusty so it was with the naked eye you could spot your shot or your or your fellow competitors could so um, although we did have a full-time ro on that stage assisting with spotting but um that was a pretty fun stage the same thing you shot from on top of the sandbag wall i think the idea was sort of yeah 10 rounds and it was like four hits or three hits through the on the top, and then three hits through a cubby hole in the wall, like a little loophole, um, which is quite awkward. Um, another fun stage. I'm not actually sure if anybody cleared it. I should have a look. But, um, yeah, I'm someone, pretty sure people did. Someone did. That's cool. And um, maybe. Yeah, and so again, another theme stage. We didn't just want to have a big target down there. I think the idea with the shooter wasn't just like here's a target, hit the target. We wanted everything to have sort of a rough. Um, Theme. Oh no, heaps of people clear this stage. <laughs> Two, four, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, so if you getting the yeah. distance helps. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, definitely. Um, although to be fair, through the day, a lot of people clear a lot of stages. What are all those open sites in yards? Uh, 
the British and the American stuff's yards. European is meters. Russians would be early Russians would be ursangs or some fucking weird shit before they become bottles. well they become communists and they adopted the metric system probably the, the yeah, one good yeah. decision they made <laughs> during that regime anyway um yeah and so again that was another real fun stage i thought so anyway uh, as a competitor that was actually my last stage of the day um and i how well did i do on that stage not particularly i got half points so i got um three hits or something anyway um from there, we moved along to the next stage. Stage five, Baldwin. Which was called Baldwin. No one picked up on the name. No. Any, anyway, so in this stage, you had a prop gun. Prop in air quotes. And this was a true prop because it was, well, technically prop stands for property. But anyway, this was just a, we, we sort of really roughly mocked up a, like a Vickers machine gun and just out of scrap steel. Obviously not a working firearm just something that has a similarity in shape and weight to a Vickers, which was a belt-fed machine gun from the first Second World War era. And again, used right up through to the 70s. <clears throat> now, the idea you started sort of um, back, a reasonable amount back from the shoot position, your rifle was staged at the position itself, which was sort of between two trees and a little log. Again, in the shade, which was nice for competitors. So the competitors started all the way back. They had the prop gun in hand. They advanced forward. We had a couple of reasonable sized trees had fallen down. So we, Simon dragged those up and he put camo nets over them and you sort of had to drag the, the um, prop gun under through um, some fucking you know, sticks and shit and camo net hanging down. And me thinking it would be really fun to wear period webbing from the First World War. <laughs> my webbing got on the center of my back, got caught on the net and I got rather stranded for a little bit. But anyway... So you drag the gun under there, you'd stage the prop gun like you'd yeah, either... You look super comfortable all day running over that one. <laughs> I felt cool though. Um, so yeah, so you'd, the idea was that you'd either retrieved the machine gun in a trench raid or you had, um, were taking it forward for your fellow um, machine gunners to use. So you staged the gun, you'd then move forward to your position where your unloaded rifle was staged. You'd then um, throw a stripper clip of ammo in and engage several targets. So that was a pretty fun stage, a little bit of movement, a little bit of you know fun dragging this um, heavy bloody thing around. Not too heavy. Um, uh, and I think, how many people did well on that? Uh, quite a few did pretty well on that too. Uh, a couple zeros actually, weirdly, which is bizarre because it wasn't too hard. Um, which I'd probably put down to people not having familiarity with their rifles. Uh, yeah, it was... Some pretty low scores. Yeah, I, I, to me, I actually think the closest target at 100 meters was not that big in 200 mils. So maybe, yeah. maybe I could have increased the target size there as a learning. I mean, people shot super well, and but some obviously real battle with their I'd open say, sights and their rifles all day. So I mean, it was quite a probably the widest breadth I've seen in a shoot of from that, good to bad. That's given 48 shooters. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so what's the next stage after Baldwin? Uh, pull the pin. So this stage, another yeah. themed stage. Um, Good grenades though. Yeah. So what we did it was up again. It was up on this. We found a did nice. Did you get penalised if you didn't pull the pins? If you didn't pull the pins, you didn't get any points. Was, was how it was, should have been run by the RR. Not, I hadn't talked to him about that, but um, I. So that we. So I'll explain the grenades before we have the um, uh, the the police kick my door down. 
so they were just bits of 50 millimeter round bar so solid yeah. bar <clears throat> and they were had a little uh, stub of smaller pipe welded on the top with a little pin through them and a hole through it and that had a little pull pin so the idea was you pulled the pin on the grenade and we had two grenades per competitor for the stage and you threw it you were sort of on the side of a hill down over some bushes and we mocked up a little window frame uh, period correct size turns out they had small windows back in the day because glass was expensive and the idea was that to get a few um, bonus points so it was three points if you got it through and then three points again if you got it through on your second throw you would um, potentially gain a few points in the competition and maybe it could be what put you in the lead right so um, yeah so you'd throw these you'd, again you'd, this, the rifle was staged at the prop now the prop was a sort of wall we built out of some of Mark's um, what we thought were old posts but turns out they were good posts and we didn't damage them and then so your rifle was staged unloaded you'd start back at the grenade position throw your grenades whether you've gotten through or not you then move forward and engage your targets another popular stage and nobody at all cleared the stage so maybe they got the hits on the targets but they didn't get the grenades or maybe they missed some targets but they got the grenades through and not too many zeros there pretty fun stage to be fair uh, we had a lot of compliments on that um no matter how mature you are grown-ass men like to pretend to throw grenades um yeah now one thing i'll say uh, if we um bow to public pressure and do do the shoot again um i will make a window frame out of something a bit more substantial because <laughs> but it was it was constructed out of like sort of three by twos and by the end of the day it was rather smashed it was still usable but it's um it's, it's looking rather sad and sorry um to be fair if you shot it towards the end of the day you were more likely to get your grenade through as um some of the cross braces got smashed out of the way um so, so maybe we can make it bigger i don't know yeah what do you uh, think mark keep it the same size or just make it so it doesn't break for god's sake yeah i think the size i don't think it should have been too easy I think it should have been like a hard little challenge to potentially. No, it was fine. Yeah. You get one, you one through if you sort it out. Yeah, I, I got one through, which I was pretty. Just don't with. throw like a girl. I actually, to be fair, this was one of my bad stages from memory. Um, I got one through, full of confidence. Got up, loaded my, my loaded my rifle, smacked the first target. Here we go, I'm on fire, and then I proceeded to miss everything else. And they weren't even that hard targets, to be fair. Um, and it just really. I'm not going to say it ruined my chances of winning because that was never going to happen. But um, it really cooked my score um, at that and one other stage. But I was full of confidence, man. Got a grenade through, hit that first target, and then it was just miss, 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 miss. Um, yeah, but it's still a fun stage. The prop was really cool. Um, did you actually get a chance to get up there and, and, and into the hole and, and, and watch the stage, mate? Yeah, yeah, no, I did. Yeah, so I had, a, I had a muck around practicing it as well. So yeah, have you shot it with your new milsuit rifle? No. Oh, we should we should do it before we pull those targets down. But anyway, um, so what was the next stage we went to? It was bleeding out. So stage seven. Do you want to explain this one, Mark? Uh, yep. You had a uh, thirty-five kilo dummy, so it wasn't Lee. Um, <laughs> It was uh, a Gollywog and overalls. So to, the, to be official. Yeah. So uh, these are for. Sorry, I'll just. They are for um, uh, training. 
body recovery and that kind of thing through uh, police forces, oil and gas, fire departments and stuff like that. So they're, they're for people to train on how to recover injured peoples or, or the like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Drag them by the neck, it seems like, from what I saw. That's what people did, yes. <laughs> uh, so you basically had to run... No, hold on. Yeah, it was like a banquet stage, so you had to actually run at the end. So you shot at some targets um, out there off a log, low down to the ground, so basically a prone log-type shot. Uh, and then if basically you had to work out how much time you had left. I think you marked, was it three targets? Three yeah, targets, yeah, closest yeah, and, to furthest, and then closest yeah, to furthest. Yeah, so you had to take a cycle through them, that's right. And then basically to, to get the point here to get the your um, injured comrade back to the back marker, which was about 40 metres probably. Comrade. Given the time or whatever. <laughs> what a term. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, whatever. And so the quickest people could do it under in about 14 seconds. Yeah. If they were lucky. So basically people got down to about 20 seconds to go if they were reasonably fleet of foot and the slow ones basically started to go up about 40 seconds so and you could nominate a runner so the people did that obviously because we were, we're all into safety and not overexerting people yes so but, so um, again if, if competitors were more advanced in age or if they had a, a sort of a disability or an injury we allowed that um fat yeah, well yeah like i mean now if you go through the whole day and you get some young fella to do all the strenuous stuff for you yeah you're not going to be allowed to win you can still place up to second that's fine but you're not going to take the win. But not that it really mattered. But um, the the idea was that so we're, ageist. You're no, just automatically <laughs> saying old people will never win. Like I mean, our, our sort of our um, respective group of people in New Zealand are always accused of being horrible and mean. But um, the idea was that it's to be a lot of the the gentlemen, the older gentlemen, into these guns and might want to shoot this, but are not as um, that's right physically able. We wanted to let them come have fun. So as we get older, Graham will just include Zimmer frames and things to make it easier. As we get older, we'll, we'll end up like we'll change some other the rules. matches, and yeah. we end up shooting yeah. out of flat paddocks all the time. So. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was to be fair, pretty fun. Same thing. Um, you, if you didn't get your your mate, your your your, your um your wounded squad mate back to the first aid or trauma position, whatever you want to call it, which was just a peg. Um, he'd bleed out and die, and you would lose all of your points. So it was a it was a test of you got to shoot under a little bit of pressure and time pressure, and then decide. Think I've got some points, but I'm running out of time, so I have to get I have to get um, old golly back to the yeah back to the aid post. Yeah, and then uh, some people carried him, some dragged him, some you know fell over him down the hill. So, so. I carried him for authenticity. Yeah. Um, and to be, this was my first stage I cleared for the day. Um, actually, probably for me, it actually it went quite well. I had heaps of time, um, which was nice. Um, shot well on this one anyway. Um, yeah, a cool stage. Our, yeah, I enjoyed that stage. It was good fun. Yeah. Um, then we're on to uh, number eight, stage eight, which was the piece de resistance or the, uh, <laughs> the icing on the cake, whatever. Yeah. Which was the trench, which was basically uh, an M-shaped trench that was dug. Um, my second only trench digging. So this stage was sponsored Quality. by Ahatiti Earthmoving dot com forward slash contracting. Um, my piece of shit three and a half ton cat digger. Hey, it digs a good trench. So yeah, we dug an M-shaped trench with that. I was pretty impressed with my own digging. To be no. fair, considering I, I, I'm pretty crap at it. So so this this one here we. We purposefully didn't put any pictures online of 
I mean, not that it was complete until the day before, but no, we didn't. We didn't. Now we teased there's going to be some holes in the ground, right? Because we like to do over the top and fun yeah. stuff. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't let on how cool this trench was. And I'm so not going to lie, I was hoping you were going to say dig a dig a crater because I'm pretty messy with a digger. I could dig a crater no problem. We'll, we'll dig a, we'll dig Just one of those a, as well next time. Okay. A messy fucking hole. So, <laughs> so this so this um. Again, like Mark said, you had a, you had a zig and a zag, and um, so the idea was that when competitors they 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 walked up to the, the last stage of the day, or it might be their first or second, whatever it worked out to be, they were you couldn't really see it from the other positions. You could see a bit of dirt, but that 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 just um, the idea was that they'd just be like kind of like holy shit, this is awesome, and like the like the pulling of the pins and throwing the fake grenades. Um, or in the snipers hide playing army like we're kids man everyone was just that i seen they were into it man they they were just wouldn't stop talking about how cool it was so um you actually so this was also our bayonet stage so if you had a bayonet for your rifle and you were happy to um, stab at things with it we had along um, the first section of the trench and essentially they were the bayonet dummies um if you've seen old training photos from the first or second wars, they'd just stab at um, large sacks full of hay or straw, depending on the part of the world you're in. We just made similar to that. It was just a, was just a hessian sack with, um, with, with hay stuffed in it, and um, it was suspended. And um, so, if you had your own bayonet, you'd. Um, so, this stage, um, what we done there is we had the rifle with a loaded mag on a confirmed empty chamber, 100% double check by the RO, da da da, dead trigger and all that. So if you had your own rifle, you'd, um, with a bayonet, you'd move along, bayonet first dummy, keeping the rifle pointed up as you moved, move along the trench, bayonet the second dummy, and then you shot through three sort of tight cubby hole, loophole type windows that we'd made and, and, and that were through the trench wall, because obviously you wouldn't just stand up above your trench. Slits. 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 Yes, yeah, slits. Cool. Um, they were quite challenging, but I Not think, sluts. I, I think good. Um, Again, because if it was trench warfare, you're not just going to poke your head up, right? You, you, the top of your head would get shot off. So, Now, for the people who didn't want to use their bayonet or didn't have a bayonet, we had an old Mosin Megant there, and what we did is we removed the trigger. We um, had no bolt in it. And just to be extra, extra, super safe, we had, or over-the-top safe, we had a trigger lock through the action. That had a bayonet on it, and then so competitors could use this as a the, their bayoneting rifle and their rifle would be staged at the first um, shoot position. And so, yeah, people loved it. You said moving along, stabbing these um, these sort of uh, these training dummies we've built, and you had to bayonet them as part of the stage brief. Now, you did not get points for them, because, like, how did, you know, it's pointless giving points for something so easy. <laughs> I, d- I, didn't, I didn't see anyone miss, put it that way. No. So. Um, and so, but it was just fun, you know, like, it's, it's just... I mean, okay, there's, there's people have served and we've got a lot of friends still in the military and they're probably like, oh, okay, whatever, you fucking idiots. But, man, for us guys, it was just something, it was fun. You moved down the trench, I, stabbed these I did award style points to one person, so. Yeah, yeah. people were yelling and screaming. Only, only one of the day, we, we basically hit, his, his war cry was pretty impressive. So. I, I did hear from several stages away, someone shout at the top of their lungs, freedom, like out of Braveheart. <laughs> oh, right, and, yeah. and I'm only assuming they come from that trench. <laughs> it must have been someone with a maybe a Scottish heritage or something. But anyway, yeah. and and then you proceeded to engage um, uh, close and along 
uh, well, 100 meter and a 200 meter target. Um, so the, the actual shooting wasn't that hard. No, it was a good stage though. It was well planned and um, time was good. It was people could, you know, if you had a bit of trouble, you just had enough time. But if you did well, you finished with a fair bit of time up your sleeve. So, but it allowed certainly people had a few, you know a few issues using your own bayonet caught a few people out. So basically, you couldn't detach it. And when you get to the slits, you really need to have that off the gun to be able to get a good position through the. Yeah. through the slits or, and even even in the fact that it's it's causing the your accuracy to go out by um touching against the side of the, the wooden part of the structure and stuff so yeah and a lot it's, of them it's complication the, yeah a yeah. lot of them mount on the barrel especially on the 303s no that's what i'm saying as well yeah so it's moving easier and then but like carl who, who ran a, um, a mauser they they don't mount on the barrel so his point of aim is the same so he, he yeah. wasn't too fussed right uh, which is cool um yeah, I, to be fair, probably my favourite stage of the day, just for the pure fun of it, um, I yeah. think. I don't know if I cleared it, though. Let me have a look. No, I did. It was the only other stage I cleared for the day. Um, good. So, so who was our top three in the end? Our top three? Um, infant, we'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Marksman. So, again, I haven't talked about Marksman as much. Marksman didn't have a lot of entries. Um, I'd put that down to the cost this of the way, firearms. You could be top four. You could be top four. <laughs> so, so um, in third, we had Hamish from NZ Millsips. He was shooting this beautiful ZFK. Nice gun. Beautiful gun. Um, and, and third, uh, sorry, in second, we had uh, Kevin. I won't say last names. Um, if it's people we don't deal with regularly, you know. He was shooting a, um, a replica of a... Oh, shit, I, th- I forget the model, the model designation. It's like an LA... It was a 308 conversion of the 303 sniper that was sort of in the 60s and 70s that we used here yeah. in New Zealand. Um, he shot pretty well, and he shot pretty good. And then, to no surprise to anybody, um, Simon Gillis took out first in Marksman with a very well shot day, um, clearing three stages, scoring high on nearly all of them apart from the grenade stage. And he didn't shoot that well on trench stage, which is bizarre um although to be fair the trench stage for scoped guns was particularly hard the 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 little um slits you shot through weren't that easy for a scoped rifle yeah it wasn't up its alley really so no, I we didn't really test it for that but that no was... oh, that's my fault but um but um it is what it is <laughs> um although i went and shot it on um with my 223 on um sunday and i tell you what a muzzle break through those holes wasn't a good idea it was horrendous but I could only just see the targets. I could do it, but uh, yeah, I, Angus, I, Angus shot it with his two D three, didn't he? So. Yeah. So you, as you could just the center of the scope could just see essentially. And now yeah. Hamish with his ZFK, too high. It's way too high. I, I, yeah. I sort of I screwed him over there. To be fair, um, so maybe this well, is shoot off the top for snipers. So yeah, that's maybe that's what we should have done. But anyway, that's life. Um, to be fair, considering it. As a learning, I don't know if I'll if we do it again. If I'll run the marksman class again, the work needed in planning and targets isn't worth the attendance. I'd take uh, take expressions of interest and then basically say yes. we'll get back to you. Because so. I did say I was talking to Simon and his dad, and I was like, we should just Simon should just shoot a number four with everyone else. But it, but yeah, hey, again, maybe if there's enough guys, or because of the popularity of this event, especially for its yeah. first time. More people that will want to come next time. I am in no doubt of that. Um, okay. Yeah, it's something to think about. 
Um, so right, top infantry class. Infantry, the main event essentially, right? This is <laughs> <laughs> the okay. main the main class. Main no, so class. this was the vast majority. You know, forty five competitors, forty four competitors in it, packed out, all sold out. Um, there was a lot of talk going into this on who between us who was going to take it out. So it's a big unknown for us, right? Um, I am okay with a Milserp gun. Carl, who's one of the TLRS crew, he's exceptional with a surplus rifle. He's very good. Uh, we know we knew Jeff was pretty good. Uh, we knew Wilkie had one, who's one of our top, if not the top, precision guy. Um, but how did he go with it? Now Simon's going, well, yeah, these service rifle guys are pretty good, Graham. And we know Malcolm's pretty good, right? So a lot of back and forth. And to be fair, the practical rifle shooting guys uh, cleaned up. I put that down to the unconventional nature of a lot of the positions. Um, they just just out, outshot the service guy. Talking to a few of the service guys, they said, hey, the, the sort of three position style stage, stage one, great, right? Easy. Well, not easy, but that's what we do. Yeah. And now the time limits are a bit different, obviously, and changes of angle. But um, they were just saying, man, this this un." un so in service rifle, they shoot the same positions pretty much over and over and over again, as far as I'm aware. So yeah, um, it, 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 some of it proved harder for them. We still had several of them shoot really well. Um, but yeah, so as for top three, um, and third, uh, Cal Knox, Cal, Cal <laughs> Taranaki boy again, one of our crew. Um, I'm going to come out and say it. I K-98. think he was running K98. So quite a lot which of recall is, yeah so um which is a what uh for most people would know it as the the main arm of the german army during the second world war main caliber eight millimeter mauser so shooting like a 196 gram bullet really hard on the shoulder oh yeah but he shoot yeah, it he shoots it a lot um yeah now the sights on it are not particularly good especially in comparison to the number fours um so this is what this is what I want to talk about, but carry on. Yeah, okay. The in second and extremely close to first. So Carl got eighty one percent of possible score. Right, Carl yeah. cleared four stages. He only had Lone Pine fucked him up. Just looking at the scores, that's what lost him the day. Now yeah. in second on eighty seven percent, and just just to compare, first was on eighty nine, so it's like a hit. Oh, yeah. Uh, our good friend Jeff from the gun rack. So again, we knew Jeff was pretty good with his surplus rifle, um, but he is that, is that in the high eighties percentage? Eighty seven percent. Oh yeah, that's right good. On. Like this, yeah, little, yeah. you know. So Jeff cleared uh, five stages, and he got over half in everything else. The only stage that again what lost in the day was stage one, um, Battle of Mars, oh. unsupported. Which funnily enough, Jeff's pretty good at. Yeah. Um, he got uh, 12 points, so he got half. He only got 50% on that stage, and that's what ruined his day, essentially. And pull the pin, he got just over half. So, yeah, Jeff, congratulations to Jeff. Again, good friend of ours. He's always shooting with us. He's he's a big supporter. He sponsored this event. He put up a prize for... Um, we had a spot prize for people who come along in some sort of um, costume or uniform or webbing. Um, he put up a nice shotgun. Um, that uh, one lucky competitor got to take home and I'm just going to mention because I forgot earlier Hamish from NZ Millsurps put up a really really nice IG11 um, which was a spot prize for everybody who was what? entered apart from me and Mark what, and what are they? 
it's a, a, a Swiss um, service rifle from about 110 years old. Uh, it's sort of okay. like a, a real precise version. Beautiful. Wow. It's, uh, yeah. it's worth you know a couple thousand dollars. It's a hell of a prize. Uh, again, and that actually went to the one of the guys who came pretty much last, which I really like. Um, anyway, so thank you to them obviously for supporting our events and um, yeah, and excellent, very cool. And some people got some nice prizes. Um, but so anyway, so Jeff really really close to first man i'm actually a bit gutted for him um i know he's eyeing up that trophy he wanted it and his performance was stellar on any other day that would have been winning um by a reasonable margin anyway so who should should come along who should come along who come first anthony collick no it wasn't anthony collick sorry (laughs) i buggered that up no so and another funnily enough another good friend of ours um michael you may have seen around, I'll say it was last time, everyone knows who he is, Michael Wilkie. Um, he came in first on 89%. So he cleared one, two, three, four, five, six stages. Uh, yeah, a stellar performance. Um, although one of the stages on the grenade stage, he actually got less than 50% on that and got nine points. But um, congratulations to Michael again. I'd sh- I'd shot a bit of um, like um, sniper rifles with him, period sniper rifles, but never iron sights. And it turns out he is an extremely good shooter with these things. So using his familiarity with these old rifles and then his skills with um, practical shooting, he he shot eighty nine percent of possible score. Man, like I said, he cleared six stages. That's these weren't easy, you know. Um, and he 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 peeled through it. So. Congratulations to Michael coming in just to that one no, hit above Jeff. Yeah. yeah, I was shooting with open sights a week later, and um, I was just thinking to myself, "Man, it's something that you know, it's not easy." Anyway. No, it's 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 a whole it's a whole different game, man. Right. So then, talk to me about these. So the first and second were um, Lee Enfield, number four, Mark twos number four mark one mark twos yeah mark ones yeah so, so this, what, what, what's the story with the sights because everyone's saying oh they're better sights than the, this version or that version yeah or... so by i've actually i haven't i've got all the I've, we got everyone to write down what they're actually running so i could just look at the information but i haven't actually compiled it yet but post-match admin is boring uh, anyway um so but by far the largest rifle represented was the um the lee field number four mark one or, or similar so these have a, um, so again, 10 round mag. Uh, one thing I will say is if on a stage where you could start with rounds in the gun, like um, uh, you would start with five only. And so what this did would allow the Mausers and the Mosins and the Swiss guns to be um, on a leaving, level playing field with the Lee Enfields essentially. Now, yeah. if you were smart, you would have a charger clip of another five rounds ready to go and you just <laughs> smash it into the gun and you'd have 10. But it's what we did. So again, one advantage, 10 round mag. As long as you stack 303 correctly, it will feed nicely. If you don't know how to load the strip clips, it will jam up. But now the sighting system, it's got a really nice fine front post and then it's got a rear aperture. So it's got, it's got a 300 meter battle sight, which I don't use, but it's got a nice flip up sight, which you can actually you click up. So you got 200, 250, 300 sort of thing. And you can, it's got clicks and I'm, I don't know what they exactly click in a sort of a BDC, but um, they're very accurate. And they, as long as the gun's in good condition and you've checked it, and with that nice fine front post, it allows for a um, just a real easy rifle to aim, essentially. Um, yeah. And so that was, yeah, that was a huge majority of um, 
of, of competitors. And it's not surprising, they, they are a common rifle. After the Second World War, a bunch got sort of um, sent to the New Zealand Defence Force by Canada, sorry, by Canada, by the Canadians, and um, they were a surplus into um, civilian use back when that used to be a thing. So they're quite a common rifle. And um, then, yeah, so we didn't see a lot of the SMLE, which is what we as Kiwis used in the First and Second World War. A little bit surprised. Um, I was going to run one, but I, I picked up a number four a week before, and it's just the sights are just so much better. Um, worst gun of the day would be the Mosin Nagant. Um, <laughs> although to be fair, like we had the my, my friend was running mine and and our squad, and like it's a bag of wieners, man. But he still didn't come last. He got thirty two percent of the score. Um, he beat. Uh, I think he got thirty. What makes it, What makes him so crap? Not all, all of them are crap. Now the oh, ammo no. he was running was shit house. The triggers okay. shit house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when they get hot, they jam up. Like the bolt gets real sticky and hard to use. Okay. I actually said yep. to him, I was like, grab a like a, a stick, like a little small log, smack it, and smash it open if you want. But he sort of managed to come up with a way of opening it through the days. And he, yeah, he looked he, quite good shooting it later on. He, 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 he had a to be a fair, real when violent I, action to get he, it going. When I when I got home, I got a usually in this old ammo. It's got crows of primers and. So you go clean the the, book, the barrels that night, although rust quite bad. The actions he'd been hitting it that hard through the day. The action screws had come loose, and it was like flopping around in the action. So how he hit it, it's actually to be fair. I think it was his last stage where he got a zero. So I think that's because the action had come loose. But um, Yelch. Uh, no, it wasn't that stage. But anyway, it's um yeah. Anyway, it was but that that I would be my pick as um possibly one of the worst but again there's a couple guys who come in the top 10 had them and they just had ones that shot better um one thing so, so what about the swedish mauser i thought that'd be up there yeah. uh a really good option would be the swedish mauser because especially but the did anyone do all right with one so uh michael and, and our squad had one he zeroed the first um three stages and then he asked us to look at the gun and we took a shot at a target while we were sort of waiting for a squad ahead of us to finish and it was shooting about a meter and a half to the left at 100 meters so i uh, drifted his front sight with the end of my with the pommel of my bayonet into the center and we, oh, yeah. we gave it a quick zero and he then carried on to not zero anything after that he ended up hmm. getting pretty good reasonable points after then so i think uh i know cullum not much he, practice for him then was no it? no exactly i think cullum he come in seventh which is a, again good good um yeah a, a good score he ended up it was six five fifty five. Again, he beat me. He's pretty. He's a pretty good shooter. Um, again, the, the the beauty of the the Mauser of the six five fifty five um, Mauser is the low recoil. Um, yeah, I was just asking for a friend because I know someone has got one. Well, you know someone's got one. Yeah, so yeah. good option. Um, and then the Swiss guns are lovely, um, but a little bit more recoil. So yeah, I'd say yeah, yeah number fours. They're the, if you're trying to game it a little bit. They're the rifle to use for this stuff. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll just, it's sort of you. I learned. I didn't know a lot about them all. So, to be fair, I mean, an old three hundred three is an old three hundred three, mm. and to my mind, so you know, you start to get a, a few of the difference in the variations, and a lot of it's down to um, cut, basically shortcuts in manufacturing. Once you know, resources get scarce, they start simplifying guns to a point where you lose some of the quality of earlier versions as well as far as I know is how it, how it sort of works. Yeah, yeah, yes and For no. some of those things. Yes yeah. and no, but a lot of the time, yeah. And then the stuff produced pre-war, it's going to be better than during the war, right? Because... Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and they yeah they get rid of features they think are necessary or just not worth the time. Um, yeah, about the barrel. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So um, it's it, it. I think overall we had a few guys who obviously weren't familiar with how their rifle ran, or their sights weren't lining up for their ammo. They just didn't have a chance to obviously put that work in beforehand, which is. I hope the next time they have a bit of a chance and they'll you know, have a better day. So, um, was everyone using surplus ammo then, mostly? or For the most like... part, from what I could tell, it was yeah. a lot of guys were using modern production ammo. Now so, that... who was picking... It was, oh, a lot of guys were using modern production ammo. Yes. Yeah. So, now, I told Angus to leave the brass alone. But yeah. he, I doubt he followed that. But I went up across a few of the stages on Sunday. There's a lot of brass around still. So I imagine Angus will well be up there. And there's <laughs> heaps. There's fucking stacks of it, man. But a lot of it's old, again, old surplus brass that you can't reload or it's not worth the hassle. But um, So, right, so, so Michael was reloading? I think he was running... No, I don't think he was reloading. Jeff? No, he was running uh, like 80, 1980s surplus. Okay. Yeah. Carl was uh, running. So what Carl was doing, he was taking um, modern brass and modern primers and pulling surplus ammo, the powder out in the projectile and loading them into new brass to get yeah. around the dud primers and, and the, the corrosiveness of them. Oh, so it was changing the powder or were you using the same powder? So same powder. So essentially just tipping that charge into a, a modern oh, brass. Okay. Yep. Right. Which is quite, yeah. a, quite a efficient way of doing things. Oh, no, yeah. I shouldn't say efficient. No, no. A just... cost-effective interesting yeah. learning perspective. There, there, there was yeah. some so we did obviously we well, so an issue we don't really have is you know, hang flies at a normal event so we had to sort of come up with ways of dealing with that so mm. maybe moving forward we may I've talked about with Simon a bit and obviously I've talked about you and the other guys but we might look into um, saying <laughs> I'm going to use a word here mandating um, modern ammunition um, for that reason is um, ugh, no, I think the simplest solution is just pausing the stage. No, good God. No, don't give a top. Well, there wasn't a lot. I didn't see a lot happening, okay? So you reckon give them a one pause or something? Yeah. Because mm. it's only 30 seconds, the day run, anyway. Yeah. Um, Mate, uh, to be fair, so what would happen is if you had continued hand sorry. fires, your RO would essentially... No, that, that's the thing. It, it, you get one chance, and that's it. And then that does... Um, what it says is we can pause the timer... And because often it was um, just not even chambering around. That was the majority of the what were hang flies. Yeah. Yeah. But once again, it comes down to being you're familiar with the rifle and knowing you can feel when it's picking up around and when it's not. Whereas some people didn't. So. Yeah. No, that's that's a fair point. It's something. We'll, yeah, we'll fair into. point. I've made a fair point. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like I imagine we'll do something like this again. We had the amount of requests um, for this to happen monthly and. Which I, which I laughed at, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, fuck, okay, this was a lot of work. Because one thing I will say, this event took a boatload of work to get going. Like, yeah, it's fun to do. Definitely. Oh, you know it is, and you hang out with cool guys and stuff, but even on the admin side, I mean, that'd be easier next time because um, we've done it before, right? We've got a model to base it off. Now, I'm just looking at our conscious of our time. I'll, I'll say we'll shelve the um, our best of last year, just looking because we're already over an hour with sitting still. What do yep. you reckon? But yeah, um, no, no. we'll move that to next week. Um, but uh, anyway, um, but yeah, this this it was it was a difficult event. No, I wouldn't say difficult. It just took a lot more work than uh, what we're used to with our precision events. Maybe because it was a new style of event. Uh, essentially, 
there's not a lot done like this in New Zealand ever before. I'm, I'm going to come out and say there's never been something like this done in New Zealand before, um, to this extent anyway. Um, but it was fun, man, and the feedback has been just fantastic. And um, yeah, um, yeah, I reckon we do it again, eh, Mark? At some point. Yeah. Not do in you, winter. What's that? Not in winter. No, it'll flood. The trench is way too hard. Um, one thing we could even it's definitely a summer event. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh God, can you imagine digging that in June or something? Um, well, we could set it up and run uh, like a, a, a December and then a February or something. Yeah, possibly. We could, we could, we could look at it. I know there's 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 definitely. I don't want to say a market. There's a. a I'm not going to say a thirst either because that's weird. There's a want for this event to to like like a new event sold out straight away, which is kind of hard to do. And then it was so well received, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll try now the trench. Hey, it'll be. We're going to fill it in, it'll, but it'll be back bigger and better next time, no doubt. Um, With the skeleton of a sheep in the bottom of it. Yeah, but again, it'll be. But I, I think we, we, I think we'll say now the little trench. Will, I imagine we'll just leave there. We haven't talked about that, but I doubt there's no point us filling it in. Is there? On top of that hill. No. The, but the big trench, it, we won't the run. The trench this, from last year is still there, still on the other paddocks. So. Which now seems really stink, to be fair. What? <laughs> Compared to the no, so the the, the millsuit. The surplus steel shoot, that trench will never be the same. It'll always be something different, maybe. No, it's going to be underground. It's going to be underground next time. Well, if we get a big enough culvert, we can. But yeah, anyway, that's that's for that's for next year. Or no, we'll just build a rickety structure and collapse on people. <laughs> but yeah, um, no, it's authentic. Um, and maybe to be fair, maybe maybe you shoot the next one, Mark. No. Or you want to be match director? Yeah, I'm not really a Millsuit person. So. Well, you, you own one now. He's got a Swedish Mauser. Yeah, I know. I'm bad enough shooting other stuff, let alone trying to get good with open sights. So. Yeah, yeah. But hey, I'll, have, I'll have a practice. Yeah. Um, maybe you can test shoot it for us. That'll, there you that'll, go. That'll get that, you. That'll work that'll out. Get out of your system. But again, thank you to the obviously the competitors for um, such excellent support in the new event. Thank you to and us. And our volunteer force, who some travelled a long way to help out. Yes, we had a so. lot of volunteers. We had guys give up their time to sit at a stage all day, looking after one or two stages. And some of them are not in the shade, you know, they're sitting in the stinking hot sun. Yeah. And and a lot of them would have been like to shoot in the event, you know. So uh, thanks to Gil's Practical Rifle Events, as always, um, he took care of all the score sheets for me because I am useless with printers and what to buy. Uh, he helped with targets. He'd done stage design for us on some stages. Um, we even had his, his sniper's hide even got checked off by a real-life sniper from who used to train snipers and stuff so like that's how authentic we got we yeah we got a fit that authentic with it right like a he I, I believe that's where the plans for it even come from so thanks again we always say thanks to gpre and also some of their volunteers they they, they come across and help us out it'll um, still be there next year too yeah so yeah um and again and thank you to mark for um being the match director and thank you to um everyone it was a good event yeah People have been saying I was probably the best match director of the year, really. Um, in line for the award, anyway. Nominated. Yeah. So, okay. So, next, we'll do another podcast um, in the next week or two. We're going to do our sort of top you're not, things you're of 2020. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for a group. Damned by faint praise there, Graham. I'm not, I'm not, I just don't want to give away who I'm voting for on top match director. Oh, fair enough. It could be, it might be you. Yeah. 
All right. Um, I think that, that, be. that about wraps us up. We're just over an hour. Righto. Um, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you all again soon. Send us any questions. Yes, I will vote for something. <laughs> all right, bye. Vote, vote. Make sure you vote. Matt Tom, Ash director. <laughs> all right, see you later. <laughs>